fortunately, I've had the ability to also be able to be supportive of and backing of a lot of female creatives, writers, directors, choreographers. Welcome to Ending Domestic Abuse, a one-of-a-kind virtual resource for helping victims escape abuse, empowering survivors, and preventing relationship violence before it can even start by giving you the tools to improve your confidence, life skills, and hope. I'm your host, Dr. Ludi Green. I'm a national expert on violence against women and children. On this podcast, you will hear from top experts in fields like finance, economics, psychology, and many more. And you will hear stories from people who have defied the odds, overcome abuse, and found their way to success. Together, we'll offer you support and practical ideas to pursue your goals, start on a new path, and protect yourself and others. Today's episode will be another edition in our series of highlighting successful women at the top of their fields who will tell you their incredible stories, share their advice, and enact as your virtual mentor. Today, our guest will be Wendy Fetterman, whose career in the performance art is truly remarkable. Let's meet her after this short break. We'll be right back after this short break. Ending Domestic Abuse is brought to you by Audible. Something you need to know about me is that I love to multitask. I'm a mother, a wife, and as an entrepreneur who had to build her own path to success, I'm always looking for ways to continue learning and to use my time more effectively. Audible has been a great resource for me. I can access thousands of the audiobooks from the palm of my hand and listen to them as I commute to work while I'm going on a run and when I'm doing my laundry. Listeners who have enjoyed some of our episodes on self-care We love Audible's huge list of self-help books, as well as their guided wellness program. It is so important to continue to learn and improve yourself. You are worth it. Don't wait. Head to audibletrial.com slash ending domestic abuse to start your free trial so they know we sent you. All proceeds will go to improving this podcast to help you more victims of violence. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash ending domestic abuse. Welcome back to Ending Domestic Abuse, and this is your host, Dr. Ludi Green. While most of the award ceremonies for film and television happen between November and February, the change to spring and summer ushering one of the most highly anticipated theater events of the year, the Tony Awards, named after Mary Antoinette Perry, whose nickname was Tony. The Tony Awards recognize excellence in live Broadway theater. The fact that the largest award ceremony in America theater is named after a woman is very significant as it represents the incredible impact women have had on the world of theater. The theater world is also incredibly important in representing stories from people of all types of backgrounds, both in the storylines of shows and in the diverse cast and crews working to bring the shows to life. Our guest today, understands the importance of theater and culture in the United States and globally. She's a 13-time Tony Award-winning Broadway producer, as well as a film producer, whose shows and films span a remarkable range of topics. One of her films, titled Lily, tells the story of equality activist Lily Ledbetter, whom the Fair Pay Act of 2009 is named after. Wendy Federman is an artist, a producer, a philanthropist, a mentor, and a true pillar of the Broadway community. We are honored to have Wendy Fetterman today. 
Welcome to the podcast, Wendy. I am so excited to speak with you today in your incredible life story. Pleasure to be speaking with you as well. And thank you for those lovely words. We're so excited to have you. So we would like to learn a little bit about your background. Well, it's been very interesting. I had two really wonderful parents. But my mother was from the acting world. She'd had her own radio shows, did Broadway, the soap operas, finished up on TV, and she retired in the early 1960s, which was something that as I was growing up, she regretted. My aunt also, her younger sister, went to L.A., did film, wound up being a very well-known agent and vocal coach. In fact, my uncle, uh, Paul Fries, was the voice of Boris Badenoff and the Jolly Green Giant and the Pillsbury Doughboy and lots of other well-known voices. So I came from a wonderful experience and I was... They had me singing and dancing and all of that at a very young age. My father had an interesting manufacturing, uh, manufacturing and importing business. We manufactured ribbon for the floral and craft trade, and we imported all the artificial, the trees and the silk flowers and baskets. And I really liked both worlds. So I enjoyed the theater, my acting world, and I always enjoyed visiting my dad's office. And then as I became a teenager, I would travel with him around the country when we visited clients and my first trip to Asia, which was incredible. So I was really sort of in between both, although obviously I, I, I loved theater. I love film too, but I love live So basically theater. you were imp- inspired by your parents. I mean, you learned you know, that. I, I, was, I was inspired by, you know, uh, my, my father really developed a, a import business, part of the business, you know, in the mid to late fifties. And that was all kind of new and interesting so I loved the travel part and the design part of it, the de- decor part of it, uh, and working with the designers. But of course, I loved theater, and I loved taking my dance classes and 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 singing harmony with my mother, or, or when my aunt would come oh. into town. So I really oh, sort of loved everything. And even when I went to to university, was you know, well, I promised my father I would certainly major, part you know, I half majored theater, half you know, and the other half business. And then my dad, unfortunately, you know, passed away young. He was a, one of those smoking guys. Remember the Marlboro man? It was back when smoking was a big thing. So it was just my, I have an older brother, and it was just the two of us. And my brother was very busy with the manufacturing, with the plant and all of that. And I was, I had sort of always enjoyed the product and the import and front office. I always had ease with speaking in front of people. I mean, I think that's part of when you're when you're training as an actor, which is why I tell a lot of people, even if you're, you don't, child doesn't have to be an actor, but there's nothing as wonderful to give them some classes or let them be in the school play because they feel good about themselves and they feel oh, comfortable yeah. speaking in front of other people. So it's really uh, uh, quite wonderful. So I just, you know, without even giving it a thought, because my mother had never really been involved in the business, you know, at oh. all, part of it at all. So I went into the business to work with my brother and, you know, put the other stuff aside, except, of course, always continued going to theater and film and, and you know, staying in touch with various friends. And I wound up selling off my share of the business down the road. And I actually had a, a psychotherapy practice for many years. I went back to school wow, and to work with post, people with post-traumatic stress disorder, which I enjoyed. And it was a wonderful sort of world and business to have with having young children because I could make my own schedule and I could still, whatever it was my turn for carpool or I was always the mother, at the, you know, my daughter was in dance class and did all of that. So I was always the backstage mother because I was the only one who really knew what to do. So <laughs> that was part of my world. But it just coincidentally, when my son was two years old, 
he was invited into a play group and I walk into the house and I see all these Broadway posters and I go, oh, I'm going to like these people. Because I was also the person in the neighborhood. Everybody called, you know, in the beginning, like in September, the beginning of the season, so to speak. Oh, right. so you were helping. What shows, <laughs> what do we see? What do we take the husbands? What do we take to the kids? What's our girls' night? But that was me. I always kept my eyes and hands How involved, but never really thought about it professionally until I went, we went to this play group. God friendly. And it turns out that the dad was a lawyer who loved theater and made a lot of money. And he hired himself like a junior theater, someone from the theater world. And they had two off-Broadway theaters at the time, off-Broadway theaters at the time. And they would also produce shows on, you know, Broadway shows. And I was delighted. We became really good friends. And his wife even said, I'm so tired of going to shows. And I'm like, take me, take me. And we would sit and we would talk about the shows and just take them apart what I thought about them on stage. And it was really this, this wonderful gentleman, Bill, who said to me, you know, you'd make a really great producer because you understand the product. You understand, you know, how to read a play. You, you get it. You're your target audience. You've got all that, but you know how to run a business. You would know how to look at, you know, how to look at the financials and understand that as well. And I was really intrigued because I had always looked at theater from a performance standpoint, never from the business standpoint, so I said, you know, my children are still young. I still have this other business, this practice, you know, stress management therapy practice. But let mm-hmm. me let me learn because it's the kind of world where you need to be able to be out at not only, you know, meet with people during the day if need be, but you need to be out at night. You need to see shows, not just your own, but you need to see other shows. You have to be able to travel to see shows that are out of town. If your own show goes out of town, a lot of things start in London or Seattle or San Diego or wherever it is. So I said, you know, my children are still young and I I started investing in shows, you know, meeting people, learning about it. And around 2006 was really the first time when my daughter was getting ready, you know, uh, uh, for high school and it was toward the end of high school and was doing well. And my son kind of put his foot down and, you know, only my dad could check my homework at night. So I'm like, oh, I can be out now. You know, I can I can actually do that. And an opportunity came up. First show I was part of was a national tour that was supposed to do to come to Broadway. It was very interesting because it starred Joan Collins and Linda Evans. Oh, wow. And, you know, who still had a lot of the, at that time, a lot of the limelight from uh, the Dynasty TV show. So Dynasty, yes. even though we were, we were traveling with the show, but every city was a big opening night because they were really two major stars. And everybody wanted to see them. And, you know, glamorous and all of that. And, I, you know, I really learned trial by fire. I probably out of 19 cities went to at least 10 or 11 of them. And I really, I really, you know, wanted to learn and I did. And it was an interesting experience. And one of the partners had just made a deal. I worked really hard. And one of the other partners on the show had just made a deal in London with Kevin Spacey, who at the time was pre all his, you know, trouble and was still quite a big star. And he had done a wonderful production of Moon for the Misbegotten. So in, to, in, to they thank, their way of thanking me for working so hard on that first show was to offer me the opportunity to step up as a Broadway producer and come on board Moon for Misbegotten when it came into town. And it did extremely well. It did well financially and artistically. And I was hooked. I have no other way to say it. It's become, I'm, I became a theater addict in a different way because, you know, all of a sudden now I could be part of helping to bring the show to fruition. It's still my pleasure to go and as a theater goer, 
but now this whole that whole world opened to me and I threw myself into it, which is why I think over the last years of my producing, I've just wound up doing so much of it. I think something else that's interesting, you know, that when I've spoken with people over the years and especially with women, you know, I, I shifted away from my therapy practice. I'd already sold that family business. That is unbelievable. That type of a shift. Was moved into, moved into this world. And, you know, every time I'd say, well, you know, aren't you a certain age? I mean, do you think you should be doing that? I think that, you know, I think my attitude was really outside of the fact that I was so happy to be in the theater, not wow. only as a, a theater lover, but as somebody that really had a more hands-on, uh -huh. but my attitude was really, well, you know, if, if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, you know, I, 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 it wouldn't, and I'd move on or go back, I'd do some, you know, it, it just never dawned on me in terms of, I don't want to say it to face failure because certainly not every show is as successful as you'd like it to be, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you, you know, I moved on and I built a base of, you know, people saw that I had a good work ethic that I was a good team member to be on the producing team in terms of, you know, what I brought, what knowledge I brought. And I brought quite a lot because, again, even though I hadn't been working in theater, I had theater knowledge and experience. But also I was a real uh, I had worked in marketing and a lot of advertising for my own uh, when we had the, you know, the, inf the important manufacturing companies. So I was also very good at knowing how to brand. And oh, yeah. I was really, and as we are, well, uh, a tar the target market the target audience for the product, the product being theater. So I could walk in a meeting and look at an ad or get an ad presented and go, well, I don't know. I'm not going to buy that because I have no idea what you're selling. That artwork doesn't work or the title doesn't work or other things that I could say, all right, my demographic's going to love that. You know, now at this stage over the last couple of years, as we're finding that younger people, you know, the 25 to 40 somethings that are making nice money, they're really enjoying spending their money on experiences. So it's also important for me to know that not only do I enjoy something, but I quite often, especially my daughter, because she flirted with the idea of, of performing. She's an attorney, mm -hmm. she's the chief privacy officer of a, of a tech firm, which is great, but she's quite a wonderful dancer and performer herself. And I often like bringing her with me, especially if I'm scouting out something new or just to come with me because you know, we can have a really great discussion about it. And I'm always interested to see what is a 30 something thing. So that's also a lot of times when you know that something's going to work because it's multi-generational. But anyway, I just, you know, really segued into this. And this is really who I am and what I do. And oh, yeah, I got into film as well. So I haven't done as many films, but I tremendously enjoy, enjoy the experience. It's a bit different than theater. I think in theater, you know, there's something about being in that room, in that live moment, that exchange of energy of the actor to the audience. Some of my own shows I've seen dozens of times. And even though the script or the music don't change, the energy of the audience really makes every performance almost unique in that way. Because especially, you know, you're seeing it with people for the first time. And sometimes I almost wind up watching the audience because I know that a moment's coming up and I love to see people's reaction, like how I felt the first time I saw it. You know, are they going to laugh? Are they going to cry? Are they going to go, oh my God, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's quite a wonderful experience. And fortunately, I've had the ability to also be able to 
be supportive of and backing of a lot of female creatives, writers, directors, choreographers, lighting. But, you know, again, I think, you know, which is why your your podcast is so wonderful. But obviously, I think women, you know, we have to promote each other. And yes, totally. I agree with you. We need to promote each other. You know, that's yes. something that I was thinking, you're so passionate about your work and what you have done. And it's, it's tremendous. Seriously, I'm so impressed. I, I, was, I didn't know about it before yeah. this interview. And I want to congratulate you for your huge success. But what advice do you have for people wanting to pursue a career in the arts like you? Well, I think also, first of all, it depends if you're coming into it as, as, as the artist or as, you know, or more on the, I would say, business side as where I am. And I guess I would say to the ones who are the artists, the performers, especially whatnot, you know, as a performer, it's got to burn in your belly, whether it's Broadway or film as an actor or a performer, of, you know, a singer songwriter who's going for that world. It has to burn in your belly because there's so much competition. I am never, I am ne always amazed. There is so much talent out there. There really is. So again, but people will reach that that higher accolades. But again, it's got a number one burn in your belly. And number two, I would advise, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the worst thing to take a couple of business courses and also know how to manage yourself and manage money. Because I think we're finding now, and if you notice, more in the film world, but a lot of these actresses where there's still a bit of more discrimination in terms of you reach a certain age and all of a sudden. Right. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. happen to the men as often, but like you take a Reese Witherspoon mm -hmm. and many of them, they're really so smart and they're forming their own production companies. So not only are they finding in their own material, but they're also backing other materials. So again, I would, I would just say, if you're going to be on the performing side, I would particularly, you know, I, I would be sure to, you know, it wouldn't hurt to, you know, keep up with some business courses or, you know, keep an ear to the ground. I'm seeing more and more of that, of some young or uh, some talent that I know who, you know, maybe it's been a little tougher for them to get to that next level in the onstage world or on film world. And they're segueing into producing and directing or other, other areas of uh, around the entertainment world. And I think that's really extremely smart. So I think that would be number one. If you, but if you, if you want to be on that stage or on the film or on TV, you know, if it burns for you and that's what you want to do, just be the best you can be. And whether you're 20 or you're 80, you know, be a good team player. I have been at enough auditions or certainly at enough meetings when actors are being spoken about. And, you know, it just pays to be somebody that people like to be with and work with and be in the room with. I mean, unless you achieve such a ridiculously, you know, a huge level of stardom, well, <laughs> where, all right, we'll put up with them because they're who they are. You know, be somebody, I, I've noticed in theater that there are performers, you know, that you, you have all these, you know, some of these great directors that if they can, they have actors, dancers, whatever they are, that they go back to quite often for future productions. Well, they've worked, it's not, and it's not just because they've worked together before, but they know that they're, they know not only that they're so talented, but they also know that they're a pleasure to work with, that it's, it's, it's going to be a good group experience. And again, especially in theater, you know, a film is a little bit different because you might be on the same film with somebody, but not have any scenes together, or maybe only two or three days of filming and that's it. I think mm -hmm. theater and a TV series are, are, are a bit more similar 
because you know if every if if, if your show TV or theater is a success and you wind up spending a lot of time together, so you know again I think you know there are a lot of interesting stories about the shows where people didn't get along, but I think when you find the most successful shows are when the casts you know and whoever directors writers are you know when they're when there's when everybody is getting along well together because you're together quite a lot you know you work uh-huh. on the show together even from my perspective especially with a new musical because plays have a good run but you know it's the musicals that if everything works can really sit and stay for years so it's even something that i think about when i'm asked if somebody you know if it's not my material and if someone calls me up or says, are you interested in this? Or would you want to be a partner? Do you want to be on the team? I mean, unfortunately I've been around long enough where I, you know, a lot of good offers come my way or opportunities are, are there. And I really have to think about, because you can't spread yourself too thin either. And I also have to really think about, let me check out. I mean, the artistry has to be there. That's number one. It's got to be about the product, but then there are other considerations and a lot of it has to do about the team. And how did I work with them before? How was the experience? Or maybe if it's someone I haven't worked with, I might give a call to so, oh, I know you did a show last year with so-and-so. How'd it go? How was it mm-hmm. to work with them? You know, you don't have to have the same ideas of these, the same philosophical thoughts or anything like that. But as long as everybody's, you know, works complementary with each other. And as we were saying, you know, especially, you know, as long as everybody sort of, sort of is on a good equal level and playing field it's fine to disagree you know Uh a lot of times i hate that song you love that song let's talk it out that's one thing but you know you still want to have a level you know that you're working with people that are 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 good and respectful of each other but again i would just i always you know be a whether you're on this side my side of the world or you're on the theatrical you know on the on stage on film you know be a be a be a good team player Uh This is wonderful advice. I mean, this is terrific, you know, to guide these people, especially youngsters who want to start. Whoever, like you said, age is not a limit. Anybody can start and become, be part of that field. Do you have any upcoming productions opening right now by any chance? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for asking. Well, this spring, well, in the fall, still running, which I'm so proud of, uh, the Tom Stoppard's farewell play Leopoldstadt, which is absolutely brilliant, oh, won the great. Olivier Award. Highly uh-huh. recommend it. And then right now, we opened a couple of weeks ago a revival of a beautiful musical called Parade. Parade. Um, oh, I've heard about reviews. it, yes. Yes, it's mm-hmm. marvelous. And it happens to star Ben Platt, who is, uh, you know, from Dear Evan Hansen, and the, this wonderful young actress, Michaela Diamond, who is truly one of the shiny new stars of this season. We've all known her. She's young. I think she's only 23. But boy, she's going to be a major she is and will be an even major star. Have a cute oh. little play coming in, wonderful from London, you know, for everybody, for the whole family, and then some. It's called Peter Pan Goes Wrong. And it's Peter this Pan wonderful is- theater <laughs> group that does these plays under the wrong title. And they've chosen Peter Pan this time. And mm-hmm. it's about a very bad theater group that decides to do Peter Pan, but everything goes wrong. And you're just going to laugh. And we actually have the benefit, Neil Patrick Harris loves this theater group so much that he's actually going to be with us for, I think, three or four weeks in the middle of our Broadway run. So that's a pretty short run. So I would want to catch that. Just opened the recent Olivier Award-winning best play called The Life of Pi, based on the book. And that is Schoenfeld Theater on 45th Street. 
-hmm. It is outside of that beautiful story. And I know I knew the book from 20 years ago from book club. It is so magnificently shown on the stage, the way that when, you know, that the water and the animals that are done with these actors who are the puppets, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's just, it was a beautiful book. And I think that the seeing it in person and the way that it's done, the way that you, you are there, you are on that water with that character, with Pi, you are there. It's just people just, and like it won five Olivia awards. So that, you know, obviously it was well-regarded and we're thrilled to have it in New York. And I'm really, really excited because I, I love musicals. Cause I, I look forward to it. Honestly. And listen, big, how can our listener, how can our listeners keep up with you and learn about, you know, so you have your social media. I have, I you? have a, my website is foolish mortals productions. Your listeners are more than welcome to go on there. It says everything I'm working on. One more thing I wanted to mention, big new musical opening. We're in previews now. New York, New York. Start oh spreading the news. I can't yep, it's the John Kander and Ebb musical. And mm -hmm. the rest of the songs, because Ebb passed away uh, years ago, were written by Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda. So you have the creator of Hamilton is part of our creative team on New York, New York. Susan Stroman, who did the producers and many other brilliant shows, Directing and choreographing is a love letter to New York City. It is a big, beautiful, gorgeous new musical. You can't forget the name. It's New York, New York. And that's this the big amazing. And so when is the, when is opening? When when is the opening? Opening night is is April 26th, but we are in previews now at the oh. St. James Theater. And then of St. course James. the brand new Museum of Broadway, which is at 145 West 45th Street. Anything you've ever wanted to know about Broadway, I'm honored to be having been on the on ground level and helping to bring it to New York. We're at, right next to the Lyceum Theater. You can see it standalone. You can go before a show, after a show. It is just wonderful. Designed by Broadway designers. The history of Broadway, how a show is made. It is, it's not only the history of, of theater, but it's almost the history of New York City and society all put together. It's, it's, in, you, it's also interactive. You can dance with West Side Story. You can sing with hair and Oklahoma. So, so many of the rooms. It's for every age. And, and, and even if you've got friends coming over internationally, it's so active. Thanks once again to our guest, Wendy Fitterman. And thanks to you for listening. No matter who you are or what you have been through, you um, can find help and you can find a way out of abuse and into your new life. Send us an email through our website at ludigreen.com. That's ludigreen.com. Or you can call our hotline at 202-643-2327. We'll find you a way out to freedom. You can find me on social media at Dr. Ludi Green on Instagram and Twitter. You can also help stop abuse by spreading word out of our podcast. Just go on Spotify and please give us a five-star rating or share your comments. Thank you once again. And together, let's all find the life you deserve. 